Hey, what's up, everybody? It's DG. I'm back with another episode here on Seeking Wisdom of Coffee with a CMO. This time, I sat down with Tim Kopp. He was uh, the CMO at Exact Target, which eventually went public and then sold to Salesforce for, I think, $1.2 billion. Uh, but he's an amazing guy. He grew them from about $40 million in revenue to 400 by the time they got acquired by Salesforce. And I sat down with him when we were in Indianapolis uh, back in June for the, the Drift Roadshow out in Indy. And Tim was just one of those guys that I instantly hit it off with. Uh, we went deep on the in the funnel and metrics and hiring and what he looks for in CMOs. I thought this was really interesting about Tim is that he inv- he advises, he's an investor and advisor in so many B2B marketing and sales companies. And the thing that they typically lean on him for is advice in hiring marketing leaders. And so we really dug into that process. We talked about what he learned during his days at Exact Target. And I'm super excited to bring you another episode of Coffee with a CMO, this time with my new friend, Tim Kopp. Check it out. Cool. So, let's do it. Um, let, let's start. T- I want to talk. Go back to the coaching tree. The coaching tree thing. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. What? So you have this like. Uh, I mean, you had a big exit, so you had this team of, you know, a couple hundred marketers. But like, why do you? What is the formula? Like, first of all, how does somebody get tapped to be in your in your coaching tree, right? Because like, I'm assuming it's not. You're not just going to all 300 people that used to work for you at Exactar. You're like, do you want a VP of marketing job somewhere? Yeah. Like, what is the what is the makeup of that person? Well, so when we were building Exact Target, it was in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. right? There was no other seasoned marketing software people to hire, right? So we ended up with a team, I think we grew it from, let's call it rough numbers, 10 to yeah. 300. Yeah. And in that journey, I bet maybe 20 people out of that 300 had previous software marketing experience. So, you, so most of what I ended up having to do was train, teach, coach, because yeah. they don't do it right in university right. either, right? They don't teach you how to do. No, and we, especially we not, not at the time where you were at like, you know, 06, 7, 8, like online marketing was just They're blowing cool. up. So you definitely didn't learn that in, in college. It was serious yeah. on the job training. So yeah. I hired to a profile that was more psychographic. So we had, you know, a couple of my best leaders, you know, came out of the military, teachers one of them was like you know in window sales you know so it was like so i've hired for leadership problem solving communication skills and i I really tried to hire to a profile yeah and then just i think one of the most important parts of learning personally and professionally is just exposure Mm. that's why i like to travel the more you're exposed to things the more you learn so i tried to expose my team to a lot of things and then let them hop around and try things and uh, just because you've never done marketing ops doesn't mean you won't be great at it yeah. if, if you already know Excel. And you, so it was trying to understand and have an instinct for that. Expose people to a lot. And then when you're growing, I've always said growth covers a lot of sins. It creates a lot of opportunities. So it's exposure. Well, when the company's growing fast, there's gonna, people are just going to uncover more opportunities, right? Maybe you hired somebody right. for marketing ops, but the company's grown so fast that six months from now, maybe they can do sales ops or you, you exactly know, shift to right. some other role. So we would move people from marketing yeah. to sales, and we would then create international experiences. So we had people, you know, go to Australia or London and then back. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was how do you good. How do you scale, like, how does, how does that scale, though, right? Like, if your company's growing fast, everybody that you hire has never really done marketing before. Don't, don't, don't they come with some debt of, like, you can't just plug them in and go? Or, or maybe you yeah. could, and that's what you figured out. It did out. create some debt. Um, the good news, and I think one of the core... Um, assets or things that we had that really bet was building the company in Indianapolis in the Midwest. We mm. could hire within, you know, call it a hundred or 200 mile radius. The number of high quality universities is incredible. Yeah. And you could hire really bright people out of yeah. school who just weren't exposed to it. 
um, how do you scale it? You know, it's if people are hungry and they're ambitious, um, that's part of it. But then you have to make a big investment. Scott Dorsey, who's our CEO, yeah. one of the things he and I talked about all the time was marketing from the inside out. And I think this is one of the most important concepts um, within marketing. And I started all of my marketing and all of our best marketing was pointed internally first mm. to make sure that people lived and breathed what we were so before we did a product launch we had to launch it internally and people didn't believe in it i wanted to hear we could about do a it. whole like, i could talk just, to you about so, this for hours so i think that was the core yeah it, it was everything we so every new hire was a week of training mm -hmm. at our headquarters mm -hmm. if, no matter where you were in the world it was a week there in and out meet every executive meet the product so it was mm -hmm. this full immersion in the company and what, what we're about. And I think it was just a uh, real commitment to learning and then thinking of marketing. That I just want to give you one, one example of that. So two months ago, we, you launched, guys do this we so launched well. a new product at Drift and LinkedIn had just launched LinkedIn video and I had been using it like personally to record videos and it was just like the traction from it was unbelievable. And so I had this thought was like, what if we had 120, all 120 people at Drift on launch day, record a video and post it on LinkedIn? Imagine. And everybody did it, and it was unbelievable. We had 300,000 views, uh, the biggest traffic day to our site ever, just from posting videos on LinkedIn. And the number one question that I got after was like, how did you get everybody to do that? And I said, it was easy because we created this culture where like everybody at Drift wants to do marketing. Yes. If you're in sales, if you're in customer success, exactly. if you're an engineer, especially today because everybody has Twitter, everybody has a LinkedIn page, everybody has Instagram, like it's easier than ever to, to do that. And so like we just care so much about like to what you said, if we can't get the internal people at our own company excited, how are we ever gonna get a customer to do it? And so like everybody, that's like the magic. But the old way of doing B2B marketing, right, was like kind yeah. of like, let's hop over that, here's a new product, let's launch a press release, yeah. and then save our best marketing for like no. the top 20 people in the pipeline. No, I, but it, I want like, especially today with the way people buy, I want like our sales rep posting a video on LinkedIn and being like, give me a call today, I will help set this up for yeah. you. Like, that's what people want, they right. want to see that. So you were talking yeah. earlier about, um, you had an interesting marketing org, like at Exact Target, which is you owned everything, you own marketing and basically all of sales enablement, kind of for that, for that same reason, right, of the internal marketing thing? Yeah, we ended up, so um, our BDR team, mm. uh, sales training and enablement, um, product launches, basically anything, um, pretty much everything that was non-quota bearing, we tried to run. Yeah. And it was because the way we tried to fundamentally solve our problem is we want to grow X percent, let's yeah. say we'd want to grow 50% at a later stage per year, and X amount could go towards sales and marketing. And then we would sit down and figure out just how do we want to carve up the dollars. Many years, we were investing too much in um, in, the, in the years early on that I was there, honestly, our sales, I think of sales and marketing as two gears. And if they connect with equal precision and they're hitting on the gears, and that's when the magic, but if you're trying to build a bigger gear than the sales team or they're trying to, it, then it like breaks. So yeah. it's not a competition. It's yeah. like this true meshing. Yeah. Um, and so fortunately when I came in, we realized marketing was underdeveloped relative to the sales team. And by a lot, we had a phenomenal sales team and marketing was way underbuilt. Yeah. They uh, allowed me to invest back in marketing, build out the team. That didn't actually mean spend. Unfortunately, I think the easiest way to do marketing is to spend, spend money. more. The, the hardest way to do it, and I think the right way to do it, is hire some great people mm -hmm. and do it kind of from, from the inside out. So it was really 
building out that marketing capability to better match the sales team. And then as we better match that, then I actually had to give back some money and say, you know what, we need more sales reps. You guys really need the money more than we do, right? And it was this constant like back <laughs> This is like, we, this could be its own clip. Like here is a, a, a CMO said, here, you guys can have some, I'll take you some budget back. But I back. got mine first, yeah. right? And, yeah. and so it was like, to make the sales team work, to really, um, we had to have more marketing. We yeah. had to like do better with analysts. We yeah. had to have a better user conference. Yeah. We had to have better in-market support. We had to sort of build out our brand. And, yeah. um, but there does come a point where you just, the point of marketing is more sales. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the fundamental. And like, if you lose sight of that, you're kind of mm -hmm. missing the point. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people ask you about this a lot. So I don't want to spend a ton of time there, but like biggest, if you could think of some of the biggest lessons growing you know, scaling the company when you joined, you know, growing from, you know, what, however much revenue they were doing, whether it's 20, 30, 40 million, 40 million to, to basically 10 X that by the time, by the time you guys got done, like what, what's the biggest, what's the biggest growing up stuff that has to happen in, in between there in, in a marketing org specifically? Um, so a couple things come to mind. I'll probably think of more as we yeah. go here. And, and I'm asking because like, Obviously, if you just put it all in a spreadsheet and you yeah. drag the spreadsheet, it's crazy, right? So that's where like I was going to start. Traffic and leads, and, yeah. and you're just looking at that like, okay, how are we going to go from here to here? So I think the number one thing that eats marketing executives alive is their terrible prioritizers. Mm. And then driving expectations across the organization. Like, you can't do it all. Get over it. Yeah. Get over yourself. Yeah. It's impossible. So as, a, as a person? as a person yeah. without a doubt, yeah. and then as an organization. Yeah. So it's figuring out, like it was literally almost like, I viewed myself like as a project manager, like a product manager, like what are all the requirements? Right. So I went out and I got out in the market, yep. visited with the sales team, yep. met with the other executives, like what, what are all the problems we have? And yep. as you can guess, I had a list, 73 things, rebuild the website, do better with Forrester, yep. you know, we need better yep. sales collateral. Launch a on conference. And on and on and on and on. Okay, got it. Yeah. So which of these things do I think are gonna make the biggest impact and where do I think I can really win versus what are the resources we have? How do you go off and do some quick wins? Yep. And I think, look, so anybody, I'm a, I am grew up as a brand marketer yeah. in CPG, yeah. P&G and Co. I wanna talk about that But later. at the end yeah. of the day, you, you, you build your credibility by delivering demand gen. Mm. So don't fight the numbers. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, the first six, nine months, it was the CFO and the finance team, I want to be my best friends. Mm -hmm. So I am gonna, what are the set of metrics that set us up? For every dollar you give me, I'm gonna give you three dollars back, yep. right? So then you build the, 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 the political currency to go off and do some of the other things. And as it turns out, I think branding has a bigger impact on demand gen than pure demand gen does, but you have to prove it out through some of the grinded out things. And that takes front. time. And it takes time. Yeah, you can't show up in the first six months and your job is buying a bunch of ads and nice looking t-shirts and right. all that stuff. Yeah. So at first it was, here's the whole list of things and yeah. I get it, mm -hmm. but these are the six things that I'm gonna knock out of the park because I think they really matter. Our, um, our sales support is awful, yep. so we need a better sales deck. Yep. We've got to do better with analysts. Yep. We've got to do better at our you know, website. So it's, here's the three to six things that we're going to do really yep. well. Yep. And by the way, if you gave me three to four other bodies, I could go and do these other things. When you're ready to do it, like, like, we'll, we'll work the 60 hours a week per person. No, we'll do that. Um, but what are the set of priorities and how do you have people do five things really well instead of 50 things half-assed, right? So we went, and I think most people that when they struggle going from moving up the food chain kind of in marketing, if you're not great at 
collaborating cross-functionally and setting priorities, you die. Mm. You just die. That so almost seems like, I'm just thinking about that now, that seems like a good exercise to do regularly, not just when you took over. Like, so Scott and I, yeah. literally probably every week, this is my to-do list. Yeah. Like this is what I, and, and because then it can change. Well, yeah, that was your list of top priorities last yeah. week, but now I need you to focus yeah. on this. That also plays into like who you need to hire too, right? Because if you're, I think at that stage exactly of, of right. hyper-growth, exactly you can't right. hire people who are gonna freak out if you say, hey, here's what you're gonna do today. I might come back to you next week and say, mm, you were yes. gonna do SEO, but you're not, you're gonna exactly do PR right. now, right? Some people just don't, yes. don't deal well with that. So the second thing, you're so, it's almost like you've done this before. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. haven't done it, yes, but I'm in it. the middle of you're it doing now. It. Yeah. You're doing it, yeah. I can tell. Yeah. So it's this pendulum swinging between hiring generalists and specialists. Are you hiring athletes or snipers? Mm. And in the beginning, I want athletes. I want people, I, I don't need somebody who is world-class at SEO yeah. just yet. Yeah. I need people who are really good athletes who can move on their feet, yeah. who can prioritize and yeah. communicate and yeah. be good enough at a number of things that are dangerous. Once you get to you know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars run rate, then I think you can go in and start to hire some, I need somebody who's just amazing at how to run an analyst process. Somebody who's great at SEO and that's all they do. They're in that lane, but in the beginning, um, I just want, I want you know, great, great, great athletes. Yeah. And I think the tendency is you want to go hire, well, this person came from Facebook and Google and this and this and this, and they're the best in the world in affiliate marketing. That's awesome, but when you're in a world where priorities change all the time, you have to sort of hire accordingly. So, so you and Scott, would that, that's how you two would work together, which is like, here, here are my priorities right now. These feel right or wrong. Okay, good, and then go and... Well, here's the other challenging thing about being in marketing, right? Everybody thinks they're a marketer. Right, so nobody's gonna. Yeah, go this to is the like the, the only reason why I'm doing this series because it's like therapy. This is like therapy. <laughs> it is like yeah, therapy. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. The question is, do I send you a bill at the end? <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. No, you yeah. bought the coffee. We're um, good. We're good. So, so here's the, like anybody can comment on a logo. Yeah. Anybody can you know stand back and look at an event, yeah. pick it to pieces, yeah. or look at a wave report, decide what you could have done differently in the yeah. end. But it's rare that somebody would sit there and challenge the. CFO on why we picked this path with GDPR, or you know why the the tech team picked Ruby on Rails, or you know it, it just doesn't open itself to the kind of debate that marketing does. So everybody wants to be a marketer, so it's, everybody has all these opinions. Yeah. So you have to like find this balance of like, cool, I want your input, yeah. and it's like, great, I got it, yeah. let me go, yeah. right? And, and I think people tend to be too much input, 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 and then they just die because yeah. they're taking input from everywhere, yeah. or they're not listening to anybody and they're just putting their head down. And, and so it is a tough, I do think that there's a big difference. I think marketing is the most challenging job in the C-suite right now um, because of the nature of all the fluid priorities and everybody wants to comment on everything. And just marketing has never been more strategically important than it is now. And you, you have to do both. So, so David, who's, who's my boss and our, our CEO, yeah. he, his, his, his line, his saying is both, right? Yes. Because both. That's it's, right. All, it's usually always both. Like, do we want to drive demand or do we want to build a world-class brand? Both. Well, we need both, right? Not only do they support each other, but we've got 50 sales reps who need to eat, right? Yep. And at the same time, we, we're in this for the long haul to do a bill, you know, build a billion-dollar company. We have to build a brand that you know, gets people up out of bed every morning. You, you can't do one. You can't, you can't pick one. Exactly right. Uh, it's so, tough. Yeah. So what is, like, from a, for, for people that will watch this, which is mostly marketing people that want to grow, what is, like, you know, you've groomed a lot of VPs of marketing or, or CMOs, right? 
what's the what's the what are the things that separate them from the you know director of marketing or, or marketing manager who thinks they want to grow but aren't ready yet? What what separates the really good people that you're willing to? Because obviously you have probably a million marketers in your network who, who want your you know want your advice, want your intros, want your connections. But there's probably only a handful of people that you that you've like personally helped. What separates them from everybody else? Mm. So. Um, it's, it's actually, I think your biggest rate limiter as an executive is how well you can hire. So I may not be the best at everything, but I, I know I'm pretty good at knowing what I'm not good at, what I am good at, and finding ways to hire. Yeah. And so it's, I like to expose people to a management experience as early as possible and see how they do. And the difference between truly wanting to be a B, VP of marketing and an executive, there's nothing wrong with, by the way, saying I'm going to be a senior manager, a product manager, a product line and be amazing at it. That's mm -hmm. like, that's saying one's better than the other, no. right? But you're asking if somebody really wants the executive experience, they have to learn the soft skills with the hard skills. And mm -hmm. some of that is you have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And then it's this like flexibility. It, it's really um, hunger to learn is a lot of it. Ability to hire would probably be um, the second. And um, it, it's actually, I don't know how to characterize the, the last one, but it is, um, it's a lack of defensiveness. Like I use this, this line all the time with my team and now they, they, would, they, they would joke with me, I'd say feedback is a gift. And I believe in this yeah. sort of radical candor framework of yeah. I'm trying to learn, you're trying to learn. The yeah. only way we're gonna do about it is if I care about you, you care about me. Yeah. And when you need hard feedback, I'm gonna give it to you and I'm gonna invite the feedback when I'm not doing something right. Yeah. And um, I don't know, that, that's, um, that's a challenge for a lot of people. It is. We try to have, um, it's because it's, it's just a hu human nature is for you to say like, you screwed that thing up. Why'd you do it? And yeah. my nature is to be like, whoa, no, 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 hold on. Yeah, that's it's, well, my, human well, nature is to be, faults. to get yeah. defensive, right? right? And so we, I always have to remind myself like, don't get defensive. Yes. It's only going to help. Yes. But it, that's a, such a different mindset. You yes. have to have the growth mindset of like, no, you know, Tim's trying to help me right now. I'm going to get better because of this, but it's hard. Nobody wants to sit there and, yes. and take that. Uh, so I that think it has of, to be this final thing. I think that ha yeah, building off what yeah, you're saying is yeah. like somebody. You, th there's an element of selflessness. I think that goes into all of it, which is I care about my career, but I yeah. actually care about the company's objectives and the team objectives kind of more than my own. Which yeah. sounds yeah. really easy, but you have, you have to fight a lot of human yeah. nature to. You want to have to maximize the whole yeah. in a time. I don't think I'm good at this yet, but I think the advice I got from somebody recently was like, what you have to understand is. Nobody really cares how you get there, how you get to the goal. It's your job to get there. And so whether that means you hire 50 people or you, you know, there's an agency that does this piece and you do it that piece, like your job is to get, so, so you have to get rid of like this feeling that you have to control everything. Your job yeah. is to get there. And yeah. oftentimes it's, it's gotta be through the right people. Like yeah, hiring. that's exactly right. Um, all right, I wanna talk about P&G. Okay, Because cool. I'm fascinated Good. with P&G because I love uh, brands and brand building and I think that Brand is really hot right now. We've been talking a lot about it. Brand Who is knew? coming back. Who knew? <laughs> Brand is coming back. Uh, and there's a million reasons why we could talk about that. But how, what, did you, what did you do at PNG? Like, Man, I was so lucky. I ended up. You were so there for seven I, I'm years. I'm so old right now that when I started, I was literally one of the first digital marketing. So I, I created what was like digital marketing there yeah. in some ways. Yeah. And it was like, in those days, it was pretty easy. It was go to whatever AOL and Yahoo were yep. doing, and that was kind of the only game. Yep. But it was literally figuring out yep. the early days of building websites, email acquisition. Yeah. So it started off in the IT organization yeah. as a digital marketing manager. Yeah. 
worked on, so my lucky break was I ended up on a, on a brand called Crest White Strips, mm -hmm. and then I ended up doing their global launch through digital marketing. So build out all their first digital marketing programs, the website, and then prove that you can use offline and online together. We did almost a $100 million year one launch by figuring out how to combine brand marketing and direct marketing online and offline. Mm. And then it was like a drug. No, I always said nothing breeds adoption like success. And once other people saw it, yeah. Well, because then you have everything off. you need. You have testimonials, you have proof, you have all the stuff you yes. need to grow. So look, I, um, P&G, you know, they, they've, it's been a little bumpier now, but 20 years ago, that was, um, can I think of a better place to start my career and yeah. learn branding? Yeah. So what I really learned there was understanding, um, like people think understanding your customer, I mean like sitting at a focus group and eating yeah. M&Ms yeah. and like, okay, that might be part of it. Uh -huh. I, did, I did my share of that. <laughs> but what you really have to do is understand what we would call in a software sense, who's your ICP? Mm -hmm. Who really is your customer? And then understanding this customer's boss, consumer segmentation, and that brand really does matter. Of course brand matters. And if it matters when you're in store, it matters just as much when you're buying software. So I had sort of the seven years of experience between IT and marketing, ended up running um, from White Strips, ran digital marketing for the entire beauty care division for them, which um, was just a great experience. And then from, from there, kind of went to Coke. So I had this sort of 10 years CPG, hardwired, digital marketing, branding, custom, like that's just yeah. how I grew up. Do you think, do you think um, because of like, what you did at PNG and and how just the PNG focus on understanding the customer, do you think that's why you were good at what does sales need? What does this team need? What does this team need? Like when you're at you know figuring out all the other pieces, yeah, like maybe so. I think because the role of a brand manager, it, as I really think about it, then technically it was marketing, but it was yeah. really project management. You were a general manager. Your job was to run a business um, cross functionally. Yeah. So I guess I always just thought of marketing that way. Yeah. Um, and when you just, and I think actually, if you look at the way a lot of great B2, I think the best B2B marketers today did not grow up in B2B. Actually, they grew up doing something else and then just kind of yeah. landed here. Or, or even if they didn't grow up doing it, I think it's the people that look for inspiration from, because the, and I'm sure you, you've seen this now over, you know, all the companies that you have invested in and, and advise and everything like B2B has this like. If, if one B2B marketing company is doing it, well then everybody's gonna yeah. do it, right? Like if, if somebody said the best time to send an email is 2.08 p.m. on a Tuesday, if that was the best practices report that came out in B2B marketing, That's what you do. everybody would go do that. Right. Versus like the, the real mindset would be like, I'm trying to send an email at Saturday night at midnight when nobody's, when right. nobody's sending an email. So I wonder how we, I wonder like how we bring, how we teach more of that. Like, I agree. I think having this innate curiosity is part of it. Like you, you can't just wait to have the answer yeah. sort of told you. I, and I actually think as an aside, so when I came in, so I had 10 years B2C and then I had actually 10 years B2B. So I went from Coke to WebTrends, then to Exact Target. When I jumped in as a CMO at um, WebTrends, I think there were fewer than 10 B2B CMOs out there. Like that, that was... I think that's the other tough thing about being in marketing now. Like, just as a discipline, yeah. it's just the newest role in the C-suite. Yeah. And I think Adobe might have had one, Cisco had one, but it was very thin, right? Yeah. The, the marketing did not have a place at the executive table. Frankly, yep. they had a sales often ran, yep. ran marketing. Yep. So when I told people Ooh, I was that a makes CMO. Me, that makes me it. <laughs> you Armin, if you're, Armin, if you're watching, I love you, but you should not run marketing. <laughs> <You should. laughs> it, uh, 
It just right. You should yeah. right. It, that's, just that's, just, that's just it, they're just different, yeah. and that's the way it is. Yeah. So, um, but when I told people I was going to be a CMO, they thought it was a made-up title. Like there wasn't like a chief medical officer. Like, what do you mean? There's not. Chief management. What is that? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. like okay, they made up a title for yeah, you. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but I think it actually turns out that it's all going together. I don't know what to call it. I think it's more like just B to H, which is business to human. Because people are people, and like if I go into Apple and I buy a new phone, as I did here recently, or I go into Chipotle and you buy a burrito. You don't have any, you don't like then take off a hat and say, I'm going to go back to my office and buy software. Thank you. Different, oh, Thank you. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's, right. it. that's it. That's it. That's it. Because it, like, we it are just, all, we are all B2C buyers, right? Like, and I think the biggest, are. the biggest they, challenge with that's marketers why I even struggle today. with B2B. Yes. Because like, I'm not selling like the business of Adobe yeah. does not buy a piece of software. It's a person. It's a person. And, right. And by the way, the same person who you're selling B2B software to and making them go through this brutal sales cycle is also on Zappos or Amazon and buying something, right? Like, uh, I, have a, I have a daughter, she's one, right? We can buy anything, we, within two seconds, we're like, oh, we need this, yeah. we need this, we need this, we need this, boom, it's at the house tomorrow. But then if I wanna go buy a B2B software product, which maybe costs $500, $299, anybody inside of my, everybody on my team at Drift today can swipe a credit card and buy something. But the process there is just is crazy. So I love the I love the B to H. Like it's all people. And people people also say, but I said so we sell to the enterprise, right? We have really long sales yeah. cycles. Well, like oh, so there's not are there's not people in the enterprise. Right. Is it different? I don't understand. I know. I and I still think people buy. The reason branding does matter is people. You still buy based on emotion. People mm -hmm. want to be part of something. They want yeah. to be part of a company. I think it's. Drift has a phenomenal software platform, but I think a lot of reason people believe in what you've created is the way you've humanized your brand, the way you've made, like, you're, you're a movement that people yep. want to be part of, yep. and I think that is a, and how do, how do I separate that from a pure demand gen process? Was that a, was that like an intentional thing for P&G products? Like, if you're in a P&G product, it wasn't just compete on features, obviously they had the best scientists right that are working on like crest white strips but wasn't there some thought for like packaging and branding on how we're going to compete on an emotional level was that a big piece of it absolutely yeah yeah and there was kind of a formula that they would go through it was creating an insight that was in somebody's mind then coming up with what they called an acb an accepted consumer belief on something and then an rtb which is a reason to believe which is kind of like what your differentiator was but all that, like at the end of the day, why do you really buy Tide versus why do you buy Gain? It's because you have some kind of emotional attachment to yeah. Coke versus what you do Pepsi or to, and I think people ascribe all these other small things to more technical things than yeah. they should, but at the end of the day, it really is brand. Like yeah. I can't say that I like, you know, I have an Apple device or I have a yeah. Mac because yeah. I believe in these three key product differentiators. Yeah. It's like, it, yeah. Well, know. especially from a set, like every sales rep is going to tell you that their thing is faster, it's better, it's easier to use, yep. it integrates with X, Y, and Z, right? Customers love it. Nobody's going to, that, that's the same thing. Um, we were at dinner last night and my favorite thing happened when I go to a restaurant is we've both never been here before. We had a nice restaurant, uh, didn't really know what to order, said to the waiter, hey, what should we get? With, without even taking a breath, he goes, the pork chop. And we both were like, boom, done. done. And that was amazing. Like, I hate when you go to a restaurant and you're like, what's good here? And they're like, everything, right? You, you, people, yes. I want some, you want somebody to be real with you. And so especially in the sales and marketing world, like, I want somebody to tell me the truth. Like, you know, uh, and one of the best copywriting strategies of all time is like addressing your flaws 
up front. Could not agree more. Because that's going to make people believe you more. Yes. So if you can address that all but up But why front, did the waiter say the pork chop? One, they weren't overly trained to rehearse. This wasn't a chain no, restaurant. No, it was right? not a chain. allowed to say that. He said it without hesitation. And it was somebody who has tried all the things. Tried it. They knew it. And then they had this fundamental belief. And I do think it's the same way yeah. if you're selling a pork chop or a piece of hardware or a piece of software. It's this, yeah. when you believe in somebody who believes in what they believe in, yeah. it, it, yeah. so I, and I, you know, branding and demand gen are even these words that are hard for me to put sort of silos around because yeah. I do think they're they're coming together. But um, that's why this idea of like marketing from the inside out is so powerful. You did that, yep. like, and I and I think because when you're pointing your best marketing guns inside the company to where somebody has that kind of belief, but you're also empowering them to be yeah. um, who they are, like to to. They're not overly trained. No, well, does, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they are good at human, selling because real. they've nailed the sales script. Yeah, they're good at selling because they really believe in it. Yeah, and they've seen it. They've seen it. So, Tim, uh, I'm done with my coffee. Oh, so I am too. Thank you, man. That was good. I timing. appreciate it. Yeah, think, thanks that was for doing great. this. Yeah, yeah, thank you. you bet. That was good. We That's it. Timed it up. Timed it up perfectly.